and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as, well, guilty as I always am, to be sitting here with having, chatting away with Miss Emma May. How are you, Emma? I'm great. How are you, Tyler? I am fantastic. I'm excited. We got introduced to the classic Calgary small town. My, I think my social media manager is also your social media manager. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's Well, she's she's not my social media manager, but she is my uh, – she's a, a marketing consultant for me. So she does a lot of, like, overviews and audits and gives me advice. Yeah. Nice. Which awesome. I guess she does all those things for me. I just I just put her in – but it's usually around social media. And she also tells me when I'm doing something stupid, which is also good. So shout out to Emily, <laughs> Emily Patak. Check her out. She's awesome. And that's how we met. So thank you. Thanks, yeah. Emily. Give you a gratuitous shout out. But oh, I don't even know where we start. But let's start with let's start with your most recent passion. I'm going to say passion. I'm assuming something like this only comes about when it is a passion. Otherwise, it would be probably way too hard. But you yeah. created sophiegrace.ca. So let's just go, what the heck's, what the heck's a Sophie Grace? And let's go from there. Uh, Sophie Grace is my clothing line. So yeah, I, about two, two and a half years ago, I guess now, I came up with the idea of doing a, a sort of a mix and match modular collection for women because I wanted. I saw the word Lego. I saw the word Lego on your side. Yeah. Being a, being a long time Lego fan or Lego kid certainly yeah. caught my eye. It's not a word I notice on a lot of fashion sites when I'm browsing that world. <laughs> No, I know it doesn't. Uh, I mean, so basically the concept was initially I was like, why does nobody make like a pencil skirt with a matching blouse and they just dye all of the fabrics the same and everything always matches and you can just sort of pick and choose the pieces that you want and, uh, you know, and build your wardrobe in a really easy way. Because I found, you know, my husband was going to work as a lawyer. He, you know, had his collection of suits and he just sort of put them on and it was like. It was very streamlined, whereas I found for women, we were always sort of diving into like. Hmm you know, oh, this blouse and that skirt. And we didn't wear suits as much. We sort of did this kind of mix and match thing. And I was thinking, you know, lots of people aren't fashion stylists and that takes a lot of sort of thinking and effort in the morning on behalf of women. So how was I going to make that simpler for women? And by just giving them some really, really simple, clean, streamlined pieces. And it's kind of evolved over time. Now it's now what's happened is, you know, because of the pandemic and because of the way we think about work differently and how we work, we're really introducing pieces that that take you kind of from whether that's like your coffee meeting or your boardroom meeting. And then you can, you know, like layer it up with the blazer or dress it down with the sneaker. So we're really doing these pieces that kind of can fit into all of those worlds. And we still custom dye everything so that so that modular concept still applies. Is this even not to dive into the men versus women, but fashion, obviously there's huge differences, but men, we've been kind of given this uniform, wear this uniform, oh, you yeah. buy it together, you know, it, and it starts, you, you work at McDonald's, you get a uniform, you go to the office, you kind of also get a uniform and you're yeah. right. My, my blue pants and my blue suit match because I bought them together and that's how it goes. And if I went for the best grade, if I went a little crazy on the shirt or the pocket square, the pocket square and the socks feels like how guys kind of ventured into the world of being a little more risque in the last maybe mm-hmm. 10 or 20 yeah, years. Totally. But for women, you guys have a whole different set of like like you said variables at play oh yeah and honestly getting dressed so i mean before this i was a lawyer i worked in politics i've sort of done all these corporate corporate things where i have to hang out with ceos and important people and um what i found was it was like it's a lot women have to think about a lot of things when they get dressed for a professional environment um things that men just don't ever have to think about and I mean, I, well, actually, let's start with pantyhose, which are the fucking bane of, I think, women's existence. And they should be like burned in effigy, like in effigy. I can't stand those <laughs> things. Like, it's like, why don't you go wrap your body in a thin film of nylon and see how you feel through the course of the day? 
right? Like, it does not sound appealing when you put it. Not that it's ever been appealing to me, but I, no. you know, as a guy, I cannot relate, but I can empathize. Like I have the ability, I have an active imagination. I go, yeah. It doesn't. What, what is even the history of that? Like, so we're going way back in the fashion. Yeah, like, when yeah. did that even start? I, I, like, when did that become a good idea? I don't know. I guess I guess like bare legs were just not you know meant to be seen. And so we, oh, it you comes know, back to just, the shame, shame. Don't show your shame. Yeah, yeah. Shame. Don't want to see your skin. Um, and yeah, well, I think I actually am not really sure, but I think that's where you're it not a fashion from. historian. I put you on the spot. I am not a fashion historian, but but there was always this idea that you know you couldn't show your bare legs in the office. And heaven like, forbid, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, but I, I but, but uh, ultra you can, conservative, even Western Canadian. I grew up in Montreal, yeah. where things might be a little bit different there, but I still get where you're coming from. Yeah, but 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 you can, you know dive your body lower body into a thin film of nylon that like scratches against your skin and will like rip at any second so it, like it's just gross whatever anyway so has that gone away or is that still a thing like have we moved like is that is i, I have no reference point past it. so when i was like practicing law 20 years ago like it was a fucking big deal if i didn't wear pantyhose and it was and you, and the, I you think, were you were the talk of the office that day <laughs> oh yeah you have no idea actually <laughs> but but uh but now that's really not a, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I mean, I'm sure okay. in some environments it might be a thing, but I really don't think it's a thing that I see sort of the younger women going into the workplace or even my peers having to deal with in the same way. So, but, but there is all these layers of like, you know, am I, am I dressing professionally? Do I look too sexy? Am I not sexy enough? How is my outfit being perceived? Like, what am I bringing into this place? Do I look like I'm dressing like a man? Does it matter? Does what, you know, like what are all these sort of, there's all these weird rules that are not defined. And obviously different in every, almost differently. You could have five different jobs and they all could have a different paradigm around what is quote unquote acceptable, expected, and yeah, right, and I think, I think that's you know, and I think yeah. that's really changed. Like that is changing a lot, Tyler, and that's awesome. So, so that is awesome. And I think when I started the collection, it was really about this idea of like, let's just give women these pieces that don't, impact, you know, that are really easy for them to just move through the course of their day, and then create different styles and different ways they want to look and things like that, and be like incredibly comfortable. I was just going to say, are we are we also reaching a place where you know what? I'm not willing to sacrifice my comfort for a certain look. And I, w- women, I feel like sons of friends, women, shoes alone, like we we could start and stop there in terms of comfort versus look versus expectation. And uh, like I feel we're moving to a world where like flats. I can't imagine. I can't even the number of women I see now wearing a great outfit with with like super cute running shoes. Like it, that's yeah, very that's different me. than what I you would I actually, okay. yeah, I don't actually wear. I do not wear anything other than running shoes so i have a, i have expensive running shoes and i have like i would imagine i'm gonna venture to say you have a pretty impressive running shoe collection i'm just gonna take a wild guess on that i have a really impressive running shoe collection and <laughs> and and i find like that's just the way i need to it, that's just the way even with dresses like that's the course of my day is i am and when i was working in real estate of course like you're i, I actually don't know how some of my peers do it where they like plot around with like these giant heels on. I'm like, I'm in and out of people's houses. I'm slipping my shoes on and off. And then I'm like in yards. I'm, you know, at construction sites. It's like, how are you? I don't understand how you actually are meant to function in that. So yes, I love heels. I do like, I did buy a pair of platform heels though the other day because I did discover that platform heels are infinitely more comfortable than regular sort of like heels because they balance out like the platform and the heel itself balance out sort of what the angle your foot is at 
Which it does come down to like a biomechanics of putting you in a really disadvantaged position <laughs> on a yes, very completely. Like, you know, while yeah. pivoting on a on a on a pin, on, on, the, on the head of a pencil, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I. There's more than enough times. I think I, yeah. There's more than enough times that I've taken my shoes off and walked home in flats or in bare feet. Over the I was in Vegas once, and there was a vending machine for like flip flops, and they were like twenty five dollars <gasps> a pair. And all the girls I was with like lined up because it was three in the morning, and you're walking the strip, and they're like, <gasps> you know, th- they were they were ten cent flip flops at the most from a cost perspective, and I think they were totally ninety nine US. What a great business model! <laughs> everybody lined up and like, oh my god, it was everybody with the shoes over the shoulder. There was probably yeah. a photo in there in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so curious, your line. Uh, well, I don't even. Want to, well, 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 there's so many ways we can stumble into this, but. Pr- Price point, because you talk about high-end, expensive running shoes. Fashion can be perceived as expensive. I went on your website. Your prices seemed approachable, but I, I want to be careful, and I want to define what even approachable means. When you decided to bring this out, did you think about that? Like, okay, I want to only cater to a very high-end, or was this something that you really wanted to bring this accessible-type clothing more to the masses? Like, how did you position that, or what was your kind of your passion that drove that? Um, well, a lot of it is just sort of what you kind of have to charge in order to, like, you know, be a, be a, be a functional business. Um, there's a few things that come into play with that. One is, uh, you know, I wanted to choose. So our price points, so where my price point lands is I, I, I'm competitive with a lot of major brands. Um, so I'm a little bit more expensive than banana Republic. Um, I'm a bit more expensive than like an Aritzia, let's say, Mm-hmm. But I'm nowhere near like a, you know, Jill Sander or sort of like one of these luxury brands like the Row. Okay. But my goal so is you did is it to, to be get- a little bit more mainstream, but just a little bit on the higher side of that versus a little bit more exclusive, but a much smaller market with luxury. Yeah. And and, you know, just the economic, the basic economics of doing this. So I, I now manufacture 80 percent of the collection in Canada. And that means that my labor costs are just let's let's be frank, infinitely higher than what the labor costs are for people who like for a banana Republic or a gap or someone who has like a mass scale and the ability to negotiate that. And also is, is pretty much running exclusively overseas. Yeah. 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 And so with it, from that perspective, 80% Canadian manufactured, do you see a reflection in your customers choosing you because of that? Like, I know we all talk about choosing with our hearts and our, and our passions, but ultimately we still have to choose with our wallets, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is both. So I generally cater to an educated, uh, a well-educated, more affluent customer. So I, okay. you know, I will put that out there. Like I, my dresses are 220 bucks. So that's not something that, I mean, it's a good investment piece and some people will choose to spend the money on that. And that's great. Um, it's not a thousand dollars, which is what like a designer level mm-hmm. dress would cost you. Uh, but there's no way I'm competing with target or, you know, Joe fresh Fair and their and their $49 or $48 dress. Um, so I accept that we are going to be priced out of people's market. And I've had people comment to me, you're too expensive. Um, or I can't afford you, or, you know, I I'd like to buy from you, but I can't afford you. And, mm-hmm. and that's fair. Like at the end of the day, you can't, you can't be, something for everyone, but I also have to figure out how to run a business model that does you the ethical labor. Um, and that does, you know, I really do want to manufacture in Canada. That is something that my customers 
um, appreciate. They do want that. And I think that is a bit of a decision making. I get, I get questions, you know, all the time. Where is this manufactured? And some things in my collection are still manufactured in China. And the reason for that is because I've yet to find someone here who can actually manufacture it at the same level of quality that they can there. Well, that's uh, fair. Like, over the years, we've certainly had a, du- a, 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 a dwindling skill base as these things have moved overseas. Like our, our industries aren't the size, like the garment districts of Montreal and such. They're not what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. And our, our factories are in Vancouver. And then uh, what I found too is, you know, if you're making silk, you're basically doing stuff in China because they're like, they actually hold the market on that. And when you actually, when I, if you give that, in fact, a lot of factories here won't even touch it because they're just like, look, there's too much. The the risk of wastage is too much if you actually don't know how to handle it, if you don't have the proper machines for it, if you don't have people who have basically worked with it their entire lives. The fabrics are far too, um, you know, fine for them to even touch it, right? So you're like, okay. So people are like, oh, well, why don't you do that here? Well, because it doesn't exist here. <laughs> Like, well, I, I appreciate the point of like this. I'm sure there was a lot of passion that drove you to do this, but if it's not a viable business and can't sustain itself, then it, the, the idea is dead before it even gets to see the light of day. Yeah. So, so curious, you've been 20 years, lawyer, I've heard real estate, um, and all of a sudden fashionista or, you know, fashion mogul. I'm not sure how we are, you know, a clothier. I'm not sure. What is it? How do you refer to yourself now, Emma? How would I refer uh, to you at a dinner party? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Some people are like, oh, you're a designer. I'm like, no, I'm not. A, no, no, I'm not a designer. Like designers are designers. I'm not a designer. Um, I, 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 I'm an apparel wear founder, really. I mean, I guess it's okay. what I, you know, I'm a business person and I had a concept and, um, I brought it to market. And what we've done is we've now got feedback, but we found our customer base. Um, they're loyal. They love us. They keep coming back for more. Like we've got a 49% returning customer rate right now. Like it's awesome. just, it's, yeah, it's, it's going, it's going really well. And, and one of the, what I've actually discovered though, when we started out was I was moving towards it being something that was sort of more focused around the office. And of course we launched during the pandemic. So that's really awesome. Like great fucking timing, Emma. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and people were like, I love your stuff. I just don't need it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yep. Yep. Totally get it. Um, but what we did discover as we sort of evolved over time was that we were really catering to an age demographic. Um, and so most of my customers are over the age of 35 and a lot of brands do not speak to them. Um, and there's this huge sort of weird youth focus, not weird, but I mean, like, so, you know, everything's sort of driven to the young crowd, right. And the younger generation. And so there's lots of sort of these brands that are like crop tops and, you know, really like the is messaging. That just, is, is that the fashion industry in general? Is that like, it's, it feels like a bit I of a stereotype, it is, but it, it also is, feels yeah, just what it, you do? Yeah, it is. It's very much a stereotype, but it is based in, you know, those germs of reality, right? Germs yep. of truth. That, As most that, stereotypes that, are, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that sort of live there. Or maybe not stereotype, so, just reality if that's how they position it. But then it leaves you, like, again, as a marketer, if your products aren't speaking to me and I don't see some ability to reflect, if your ad features this group of individuals, you know, out skateboarding and having fun and being young and having a great time, that's awesome. But I'm looking for something to wear to the office a couple of days a week. That's a very different, I'm just going to glance over that, you know, th- those images. Yeah. And it's, uh, and so what we found was being able to like, you know, so I've, and, and I've got women who are, you know, in their sixties and who are super fit and they're like, they're like, I'm not ready for a moo-moo. Um, you know, and people keep seemingly want to sell me that, but like your, your collection speaks to me because it's not imposing fashion on me. It's about giving people clothes where they wear the clothes, the clothes don't wear them. 
Right. And that's been something that's really been um, that's really resonated with our customers. So they feel like, OK, here's a collection that sort of is, you know, it's modern. It's you know, it's not not stylish, but it's not this sort of pushing fashion forward stuff down your throat with lots of thrills and details and this and that. Right. So it's about here's these really simple classic pieces updated in a modern way in incredibly luxurious fabrics that you really want to feel and touch and feel good on. And you can look good and it's easy to put together. So and so the customer is like, oh, yeah, I get it. That's what I need. Yeah. And unlike like some fashion is very disposable, you know, you get it, boom, it runs out. These these all feel like they are more legacy pieces. They'll last. Like you're saying, you're obviously building with quality and producing with quality. But this isn't like, oh, that was so last season. I can't wear this. That's not the impression. There's a greater of elegance and timelessness that I get when I skim through your website that I appreciate. And that feels very, very intentional. Yeah, it is. And it's about those pieces that, you know, I like I said, I've been working I've been in the workplace and living my life as, you know, a mom, as a professional woman, as like, you know, people, someone who goes for coffee meetings or just hangs out with their friends and stuff. And it's like, what are these pieces in my wardrobe that I've literally had forever? Right. And like there and and when I look at it sort of from that, it was like I kept gravitating back to certain pieces and they've literally stood the test of like 12 years and I can wear some of them to like events and people are like, Oh, that's an awesome dress. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Can you believe I've had it for 12 years? Right. And people are like, Oh, which almost feels like, slightly yeah. uncool to say like, Oh yeah, this whole thing I've had it forever. Like, but no, it, that's actually what I appreciate that as a source of inspiration of like, no, no, that shows that it actually is as versatile and, and as valuable back to that investment. You're going to get 12 years out of it. Like th- that's obviously a different value piece. Again, once you're at a certain level, I understand if it's too expensive, it's too expensive. And I, I get that. But if it's going to last, eh, I can justify a lot of different things if I believe. That. Yeah. And if it's like that simple thing that you just put on and you don't you're like, I don't need to think about how I wear it. I know if I put it on, I feel really confident and good. And I just, you know, I can change it up with my hair, or my makeup or my, you know, shoes or whatever it is and things like that. So so that was the inspiration for the line was about how do we take things and really distill them down to sometimes their simplest form and make them clean and comfortable. And, and, and yeah, and the, and simplicity is, I don't know. I feel like it's underrated, right? Like, especially in fashion, like you could, you know, the, the drive to always do, you know, sort of, different and don't get me wrong like I'm super attracted to that stuff and sometimes I'll buy you know and I have far too many sequins in my closet then right (laughs) you know and I'm like I'm buying this amazing sequin dress and then you're like when the hell do I actually wear that like never appreciating it for what it is but understanding that's not what you built your business on so maybe the the, the big question that maybe all everyone's on the edge of their seat what was this deciding factor to go from professional environments, lawyer, you know, uh, real estate, I've heard you say a bunch of things that all of a sudden, did you have a background in this? Did you work in it? Was it just purely passion? And one night you drank a bottle of wine, the next day you woke up and said, I'm going to start a, a fashion based, I'm going to start a clothing line. Like how did that even, how did that happen? What was the, uh, what was the bump in the head that turned you into an entrepreneur? Cause sometimes that's what it takes. Um, well, I think it was literally, I was standing in my closet looking at my wardrobe going and I was pissed off cause I had like a board meeting somewhere and I was wearing my jeans and t-shirt and I was like, why is this so difficult? Like, why, why can't I just pull out this skirt and a top that I know, like, or who, where would I go to get that? And I sort of couldn't answer that question. 
And then I was like, yeah, you know what? I think there's a market for something like this where we just sort of put this together and make it really comfortable and easy for people to like style themselves because I recognize that I, and, and to be fair, like I spend way too much money on clothes and I have always loved clothes. Like from the time I was like 15, 16, I, I remember like, I remember being in grade nine and borrowing like a friend of mine's outfit and it was like the best outfit and I felt so good and I had like the best day. Like I'd had the best day, right? Like I was like, I fucking rock this outfit and I feel good and I'm having a great day. And I, and the, and you were hooked. Every, yeah, that's powerful. And, yeah. And I was hooked. Right. And I was hooked. And I was like, yeah, the confidence that comes when you are wearing something that you feel. And, and I think it's less about shows, you know, I think it's more about it's something that makes you feel good about yourself. Right. So it's not it's really an inside about the out, not an outside, not an outside in. That's the way I'm hearing what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And and so and for me, clothes were that vehicle. Right. And so it was a way for me to um, when I found the things that presented me to the world the way I wanted to be seen, it gave me that extra boost. Um, and so that's always been, you know, and and over the and I love fabric and I love texture and I love the visual appeal of it like it just I've always sort of had a bit of that I guess to some degree a bit of an eye even though I'm not I wouldn't say I'm the most fashionable person on the face of the planet at all um I'm okay taking risks with stuff sometimes and it's and I and I think it's fun but I love I I do feel like it can drive an emotional reaction in us and and so that has been in many ways a passion for me and I grew up in Calgary and I guess I never thought it was accessible to me, you know, like I never, I never, and, and I, you know, was always much more sort of academic than I guess artsy. I I guess I was kind of artsy. I directed like Anton Chekhov plays in high school and stuff like that. But then I went on to, you know, I went on to law school and did that and, you know, sort of worked on that side of my brain, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess I never really thought that this was a path that would ever be open to me. And so when I kind of had this idea, I was like, how can I make that actually happen? By that time, I would quit practicing law and I'd started my own real estate firm, which had kind of come out of this in the same way. Well, yeah. um, so that's that's called Charles. And I remember I'd, I'd gone to actually work. At, I got my real estate license when my kids were young because the billable hours of practicing law were just too much and I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be mm-hmm. when I was when I was doing that uh so I got you know much to my mother's chagrin I was just fucking horrified when I told her I was quitting law to become a real estate agent well because you were like, doing the thing right you followed the path you got the degree, yeah became, yeah absolutely like yeah you, you lived up to their hopes and dreams for you which is another that's a whole other conversation yeah 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 I was doing I was do, I was doing what you know it was like how can you quit this profession, you know, and become a real estate agent? Like, oh my God, like, it's just, you know, it was like, I just told them I was Blast, becoming like it's, a used it's, car It's blasphemy, yeah. But it's oh, blasphemy. it was total blasphemy. Anyway, but so I'd done that and then I was working at like Sotheby's and Sotheby's was great. It was a nice big international brand, but I had to pay them so much money to work there. Sorry, Sotheby's. It's, it's for your permission, your piece of the, yeah, yeah, their piece of the pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, with all that money that I could have, that I paid them, I could have actually hired some designers and started my own brand. 
right? That reflected so I, the value. I see the, I see the first stages of the entrepreneurial, like, hey, wait a minute. Like, oh, I could do this. As I could do my own version of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, hey, you know what? That's kind of cool, but I think we can improve on this. And I think this is how. And it, I mean, so it's really, it's just sort of iterative, right? And And so for me, that was, you know, and now Charles has got 50 realtors and, you know, we're doing great. And it's a, and, and so okay, for so that, that, business, I was like, that, that business is still a going concern while you're also setting, while you also set this up. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 Nope. That's, that's great. I mean, I don't run the day to day there. Andy, my no. business partner does, and he's phenomenal. And so I, and I've, you know, as this has grown, I've had to sort of step back out of that more, but it was really, that was what funded this was, you know, I was like, Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. How would I make that happen? What are the, who are the consultants that I would actually need to make that to put that into play? And how do I refine my vision around it? And what is the clarity of thought that I want around what I'm creating in terms of the fashion line? And then, you know, I, I do my real estate work and I take the revenue that I earn from that. And I put it into like hiring the right people, buying fabric, sampling things, um, creating a brand. And that's kind of how it came about. It was a, you know, it was the side of the desk project really. Nice. I appreciate the maybe being like, not, I don't want to say the word older, but being more experienced in the world. Like, I like what you said, like, okay, who do I need to get at the table? Like, I don't have to figure this all out of myself, but I do need to go and bring in the right people. So like, from the idea phase to kind of even where you were now, like, was it always just been a series of one foot in front of the other next step? Or has this been a bit of a roller coaster? Like you mentioned, you mentioned COVID. Like, was there any moments where you were just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I, just, I should go back to what I know. Or has this always been once you started down the path? Cause I think to look in from to entrepreneurship from the outside, it feels like the single focus discipline, like that's how it goes. But most entrepreneurs I know, it is a roller coaster of like, what am I doing? I have no business. I'm awesome. Imposter syndrome. I don't know. How was your roller Coaster over the last couple of years oh. of this new venture. Oh my god, it is. I I don't think I've ever learned so much, grown so much. Um, nice. Wanted to jump off a bridge so much. Had like better highs, right? Like I'm on the Shopify. When people buy my shit, I get like a ding ding on my phone. It's like oh, it's, it's like it's like a little dopamine it's, hit. It's, yeah, like yeah, dopa- no, it's, it's like a dopamine. It's a dopamine hit. It's terrible. Um, and then there's days where you're just like holy shit, what happened to my sales and my burn rate is this and oh yeah, it's because I'm out of inventory and oh my God, the fabric got caught on a boat and we can't get it back in and this is going to take another three weeks and oh my God, the factory fucked this up and now we've got to like go back and actually get this fixed and so I can't sell the product for another two weeks and like it is just a, it's, and I think being, I think you just become, and, and yes, COVID was, you know, like I'd literally just taken out a line of credit to buy all of my inventory, bought the initial collection, it landed, and COVID hit. And everything and, was geared towards an office, an office. Place. Yeah, and everything was sort of really geared towards an, an office environment. And you know, we, in spite of that, we, you know, I just ground on, right? Like I found my customer. I believed in the vision. I still, you know, uh, it's. The, you know, COVID is brutal and it's going on and it is but not over, but it will end. Um, and I'm not sure things will necessarily return to everything that we had before, but things will probably go back to normal. People love socializing. People want to be together. We are social humans. That's mm-hmm. that's the way the world works. Um, we do like to interact. I think everybody loves wearing their sweats in terms of the comfort, but I do think that this has led to an evolution of, okay, well, I don't need to look as sloppy as I do. 
Um, but I still want to feel great. And so, you know, for me, that's been now sort of this huge pivot focus for us is, hey, women want to wear really beautiful clothes still. Women want to still look really, really want to look good and want to feel good and want to feel like they're really put together and about to slay the world. And that doesn't mean, though, that they need to be uncomfortable while doing that. So that and and in many ways, that was actually how the fabrics that we'd initially chosen actually spoke to that anyway, because I am just a hugely textural person and I can't stand things that don't feel good against me. Um, the so I was, I, yeah, exactly. So I was really lucky in that regard that we'd actually sort of started down that path. And now we've really dug into that. Right. Like, so that's that's but but the journey itself is. um yeah, you always need money. We've got revenue, you know, we've got great revenue coming in now that pays for a lot of it, but we're on a 20% growth rate month over month, which is based and we have to buy our product and make investments three to four months out. Um, so that's basically impossible to do off of cash flow at that stage in order to right. actually keep up, right? Cause it's well, just, yeah, cause you're still a new business kind of in the startup phase. And from a revenue perspective, are you like what, 14, 8, 14, 12 months in on from a revenue perspective? I think of COVID, uh, that's your first line. Yeah, so you're only, first, you're, so a year, you're a year of revenue? You're in a year and a half of revenue. Okay. Yeah, a year and a half of revenue. So, and, and, that, and we've, yeah, and our, so our first year, yeah, so we're actually, a we're running at like 150% year over year growth rate right now. And customer acquisition, has this been word of mouth? Have you guys invested from a marketing? Because obviously marketing dollars are expensive and I'm assuming this category is quite competitive from a paid media perspective. Like how, what's the growth been like? Has it just been, you know, people getting, has the word just got out or have you guys really pulled on a few levers that worked for you? Uh, it's been a mix. I think it's what I've, and what I've come to accept is that you need multiple channels. You need omni channel. It needs to be, you know, there is no, it used to be that people could like pay to play on Facebook, right? That you just sort of threw enough money at that and that actually delivered what it was. Of course, all of the changes in that space and the fact that actually COVID happened. And so all of a sudden you weren't just competing against other direct to consumer brands. You were competing against everybody who went into that space, right? So everybody was bricks and mortar. Then all of a sudden went, Oh shit, we've got to be online. Yeah. And so the, you know, the just like surge pricing on Uber, the cost of everything just went up exponentially. Um, so you can't rely on that exclusively. We've got a lot of organic, we work with a lot of organic content, blog posts. We really, we found that we really do speak to, um, the demographic of working women. We, the, the values that we share around that, around things like making sure that women have got childcare, uh, equal pay. How is it that we advocate for ourselves in the workplace? We really want women right. to win at work. And that message is, and so that message has resonated and there has been a lot of word of mouth, um, Within that, uh, I have to say the Calgary community has been amazing and been super supportive of us. Uh, so is the, you know, Edmonton, uh, uh, 30% of our sales are from Alberta right now. I'd okay. say, yeah, 30% are from the U.S. Um, and then we've got a bunch of, uh, and then sort of divided between Toronto, Vancouver and Maritimes, the rest of, the rest of Canada. So there's lots of good stuff happening. In that, yeah, so forty percent, so for so you know eighty seventy percent Canadian Canadian consumers, and you, you and just to be clear, and I don't want to maybe I'm being ignorant. You guys are hundred percent online, right? Do you, there's no find a store here that I'm just I'm uh, well. We now have we now have a showroom in Calgary, so we're open like four days a week. Um, it's, okay, it, and and it's kind of a drop, and it's not a traditional retail space. Um, like in Calgary, you can come in, try on the entire collection, 
you know, see what size works for you and then you order and it ships to you. Uh, we've just opened like this week and I'm going back out to Vancouver next week, uh, a store, a store, an actual storefront in Vancouver. Uh, okay. so it's in Mount Pleasant. So we are doing that because we did find our customer was like, Hey, can I come to a store? And we're like, uh, uh, you know, well, you said omni-channel. So, and like which I, I said, I it's, it is, but. yeah, it's omni-channel. And honestly, Tyler, there's rent to be paid, right? Yeah. Like, here's the deal. There's rent to be paid. You're paying rent on bricks and mortar. You're paying rent online. You're paying rent. Like, <laughs> in order to get in front of a customer, you are paying, uh, you know, there's something to be paid. Uh, some, some brands manage to do entirely organic. Um, the fashion industry is a little harder to do, to, you know, to, to, to operate in that space, right? Like a lot of people have DTC brands that they find they can do, they can do that. And the other thing is too, is like, we're, we struggled with influencer, like lots of people do influencer marketing and things like that. My customer is actually a woman of influence. She's not that interested in influencers, right? That's so interesting. when, I, yeah, I yeah. I so, that. and even things like getting my customer to post pictures of herself in the outfits, like, like they always say to me, Oh, you should get people to, and I'm like, yeah, do you know how hard it is for me to convince like partners at law firms to like post pictures of themselves on the internet. Like they're yeah, it, like, they're, they're busy. They're doing other stuff. They're like, I'm not a selfie queen. I'm, this isn't my gig, but I love your clothes. Thank you very much. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, I like what you said, understanding your audience and understanding like the youth of the, you know, Oh, user generated content. It's a great concept, but you really have to understand who that is and what you're asking them to do. And if it's like you said, these, these, these are not individuals that are living non busy lives and, being on social media ten times a day is probably not their primary, you know, go to. It's not where they no, get that's not where they get their dopamine hit. <laughs> it's no, it isn't, right? That's not that's not their thing. So it, it that you know, that's been an interesting sort of thing of how is it that we actually build community with customers on, in an online way um when we're in a visually, you know, driven um 100%. uh environment and and our customer isn't necessarily that comfortable you know, in that space, we're getting there and some of them are getting more comfortable with it. And it's nice to, and it's actually nice to see, right? Like it's actually like, I love it, especially when it's someone who you like, just don't expect and they send you something and you're like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Well, I've noticed some, I was, I'm, I'm of course I'm creeping on your site. So you yeah. know, like you've got some user generated content. You're doing some profiling of your customer base and, you know, it's, especially in Western Canada, like these are big, small towns. Like I'm assuming, you know, some of the women you're talking about in some of the organizations, partners, the law firms, they all yeah. know each other as well. Like it is like these are smaller communities when you get inside them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And one of the things we found, like even our showroom, I've got like this wonderful, we've got a wonderful customer, Nancy, and she's like, she lives across the street from our showroom and she like she's like oh i'm bringing my friend so-and-so in today and you're like oh you got one amazing. of those yeah every, every yeah, group yeah, of friends has one of those you just want I them to be that. on your yeah 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 and she's she's just amazing and i love it but that's and your like, that's the oh, real yeah. micro influencer when you go back to influencers and the traditional yeah, oh, I'll go pay totally. someone to write a blog about me versus you know when i'm looking for something and i know you're into it i'll just call you up like there is that micro influencer like it's the classic small town it's also how humans work right you try and do it at scale and you know social media creates a whole nother thing but if you yeah. got somebody that just believes in you and then they want to be the person that shares the new exciting thing with their friends. That's the value of that at a, from a startup business perspective is exponential. <laughs> yeah. It's totally, I mean, we love, we love those customers and they've been, yeah, they've been, and they love awesome you. That's the best part. And they love you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and they like that we show up in our community too. Like they're just like, yeah, man, like we are, we're part of this fashion show that's helping dress for success in a couple of weeks. And, Literally, we sold it out in a day and a half, 
two days. Like it was crazy. Like it just, and people were like, Oh yeah, well you guys always do cool shit like this. So we were like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's great. Yes, we, yes, we do. Absolutely. Okay. What what, what more stuff can we do? And the community, you know, so we're doing like 15% of what you buy at the, it's like a shopping fashion show. So 15% of what you buy gets donated to dress for success on that day. Um, and people are just like, Oh yeah. And people are like all over it. They're like, Oh, awesome. I'm just going to put off buying something until then. Hmm, that's great. How yeah. curious about you and you just touched on it. What's the local, like what's the fashion community like? Cause you know, obviously you typically see it on the, on a global stage and these large brands. And uh, is there a real, like, did you have a lot of peers that you could even talk to even from like the business advice perspective to then talking about like an event like this? Is, is there, is there a grassroots movement of just like, like so many things now of being more, more local, more, I want to relate cause I know this person, I want to go buy from them. Um, yes, no, there's a lot of, so Calgary's, to be honest, a lot of my business is, is, is in Vancouver, um, including my like factories and my design team. So everybody, those guys are all out there. Um, Calgary has got a lot of cool little local brands, right? And so there are, uh, no, well, someone I absolutely love is Nina, um, Kari, and she founded the fashion brand, um, Noni. Now she's actually off doing this really cool, um, medical, uh, scrubs line right now, which is super interesting. And it's like, it's like, um, she's using a fabric that actually, uh, like is antibacterial and things like that. Like it's very, very cool. So she's launched that, but she had a fashion line and it was much more high end than mine. Um, and it was called Noni and it was gorgeous. I bought some of her pieces and they're stunning. Um, Meghan Markle wore one of her dresses, um, this trench dress, and she still wears it and it blows up. Oh, okay. Yes. So, I, yes. I remember seeing that. Actually. Yeah. And Nina sort of walked away. I mean, the, to, you know, I think it was the pandemic was a lot harder on someone like, like the, on, on the luxury brands. And one of the reasons it was harder was because a lot of them were uh, also had deals with, um, uh, major distributors, right? So Saks or Holtz or whoever. Yeah, so that's and the, and House of Cards or that came down for a little, yeah. yeah. And those deals are brutal. So independent designers got really smashed by that. And, and Nina is truly, she is a fashion designer, um, who was running this business and, um, you know, she did really, really well with it, but it's, that's a, the luxury market and smaller volumes. It's just a harder, it's just a harder business model. So mm-hmm. I'm not, and then, um, my friend Jennifer, she's got parts and labor. I love all their t-shirts. They do super cool. Like it, it, uh, there's, there's, there's a smaller group here of people doing cool stuff. There's not a lot of people doing what I call my, so I don't necessarily call myself a fashion label as much as I call myself an apparel brand. Right. Okay. Um, and, and so I'm not necessarily interested in doing these sort of really interesting one-off pieces. I'm much more interested in doing, what are pieces that a mass market wants to buy? Um, and how do we actually get into that mass market and how do we produce? So like our volumes are, you know, 300 units a, a style right now. And that's actually considered small in the, in the apparel brand. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask what the, yeah, I, I yeah. assume depending on who you are, but talking about a luxury, you refer to it as like, like a limited run or limited edition pieces versus like, yeah. oh, no, we have 300 units. I guess even the words to use to describe it, right? A piece versus a unit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's how, so, so, we're running a bit of a different business model and there is not a lot of that. And there really isn't a lot of it in Calgary. Um, 
so Nina was an incredible support. Jennifer Parts and Labor has been amazing. Um, and then outside of that, I've sort of had to, I've really relied on professionals. So like my designer used to be with Open Forge. Um, my, uh, product manager and my COO was with Lululemon and was with The Gap. Um, so I've really been able to, you know, I hired the best. Let's just so you've been way. able to and build so, a team of people that, that can, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and that's what, what I you, learned. Tell them what you want done and then be surprised on how they do it kind of mindset. Yeah. yeah. And, and so what, you know, my job as CEO is to set the vision and the clarity. It's to find the money and it's to, you know, make the decisions on a day to day basis that are the harder decisions. Um, and it, you know, it's like when shit goes wrong, that's my job. <laughs> right. Like that's, uh, um, and, and and you and I think and that is what running a business is. It's just fixing this problem after that problem after this yes, problem yes, after yes, that problem after this problem. And if you, you know, really learn to ride that wave, it becomes I'm it's interesting because I've become much more comfortable with it. And I'm like, I'll find my way through this. Right. And, and, for, and for you be getting into entrepreneurship after already having an extensive career in, in multiple different fields, there's a difference if you're jumping into it. You, you, you had, you brought some probably harder, you brought some battle scars to the party. I'm assuming would, you know, would you say easier kind of getting in? Cause be like, Oh, too young, too old. What does that even mean? I think a little bit of experience because the entrepreneurship game is exactly that. And sometimes you learn what not to like, what not to get all bent out of shape about. <laughs> just got to deal with it. Yeah. It's, it's just, we just need to deal with this. And, you know, things like hiring your team, who's a great fit on the team, who's not a great fit, doesn't necessarily speak to what that, who that person is as a person. It's just whether or not they're a fit for you in that, you know, in that, in that moment in time. And also, you know, reflecting on years of how was it, one thing that was super important to me coming into this was how do I build also a company that not only speaks to how, tries to solve the problem of how women can win at work through, you know, what they wear, but how do I actually also build a company that actually does that in practice? Right. And so for me, that is about how do I make sure that, that we're using ethical labor? How is it that, you know, one of the reasons I actually have access to my COO um, was because she was like a senior team manager at Lulu and she was running and she had two little kids and she couldn't do it full time. Like she just, it was just too much. And the, and the demands and the hours of the job were exponential. Um, and it was basic and it was based around a structure that wasn't built for moms. Um, right. you know, and that's a huge, so what, she, a, what, a, what an amazing opportunity for you and for her to find right? the right, uh, the right fit formula. And you've got access to talent that for a lot of entrepreneurs is, is either priced out or access. You can't get, it's who you need, but you can't get. <laughs> yeah. And so what we've managed to do is I was like, okay, well, she's, she had her own consulting business. And she, you know, so for the first year of our relationship, she was really just doing consulting on other files. And then as we started to grow and develop, I was like, look, you know, I'd really like you to be sort of more of a full time team member here. And so she's now in on, you know, salary and equity as well. And so she's she's a full partner. You know, it's a smaller share, obviously, but she's a, she's a partner in the business. Nice. Now, well, then right? that's the, and that's the that's the opportunity you can create when you're in that startup mode. Right. You bring the yeah. right people to the and table and, and I know that them. she has. Yeah, and I know that she has kids who are, you know, um, they're out of school at three. So, like, Lisa's off deck at three um, to five, but I also know that, you know, we're going to be probably talking again at 10 p.m. or she's going to sit. Like, she just gets the shit done, right? Like, she just gets shit 
done. And I am not here to impose on her how she goes about doing that. But the access to talent in her brain and her power and her skills are, you know, incredible. I loved it. Like, as long as you get it done, I don't really care. I don't care where you sit when you do it. I don't care what hours you do it. As long as, yeah, anyways, I, I do think COVID has redefined a few of those parameters, which I think is great. They needed to be. How big is your team yeah. right now? How, how, like a couple of years, how big have you grown? Uh, we have, we sort of, we ebb and flow. Uh, we've probably got a team of five outside consultants and then about six of us in house. Yeah. Okay. So I've got like a, I've got, so it's me, Lisa, a designer. Carl's now like our director of engagement and um, strategy, and he's he's been our styles. He's been with me from day one as well. He's phenomenal. We sort of give him more to do, and he just just keeps knocking it out of the park. Um, yeah, and then Sam's doing our graphic design. She's with me over at Charles as well. And then uh, Therese has been helping us with sort of shipping and all of logistics and management around, you know, uh, and also like sort of running our Shopify site and things like that. So it's a, you know, we've we've got it. And, and then Jess, who's our designer now, I've hired a new designer, and I just she's God, I love her. She's just part of the team, and she and I, um. I guess I'm still creative director, but like she just really understands how to interpret my vision. So as we like, I'm so excited about all the new shit that we're doing. Like it just is like we're really on the same page. So it's uh, like that part is that part's still really fun. And I have to say that like I have these days where I'm like, oh, my God, where am I going to find that money? Holy shit. How am I going to do this? And then, you know, and then I think to myself and I'm like, would I want to be doing anything else? And the answer is no. Right. That's I'm awesome. like, no, I'm having like a ton of fun and it's, yeah, it's kind of stressful, but I still love it. It's weird. No, I can hear it. I can hear the passion, especially when you started talking about the create, I'm really hearing the creativity side and like, cause you're working on, are you working on summer now or spring? Like what would you, cause it's, what are we? We're, we're working on spring, sum, yeah. So we're working on where we're going to go into spring, summer for next. So we're, you know, so I was in Vancouver the other week and we were going over, we had like all of the fabrics in front of us. And so we were going over what's going to be our suiting fabric. What's the linen that we want to get into and touching it and feeling it and wrinkling it up in our hands and rubbing it against our bodies and really like being like, okay, is this, does this have this does this fabric have the quality so we narrow it down to like three or four and then we like get samples of that and then we test it and we like you know put it through its paces and then make a decision like what you know what colors we're going to buy into we custom dye our stuff and then you know uh yeah we make a commitment to the fabric and then we go ahead and make you know do the book the run I can imagine there's people listening right now just like like would would kill to be in that room. Like that's fun. It's play. It's creativity. It's I, I love the tactile nature. Like you're literally rubbing your hands together as you're talking. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. It's, and, and 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 I mean, you know, we and we had, you know, it's sometimes you have a misstep, right? Like we had a fabric that I that just feels like unreal on your body, and I love it, love it, love it, and it's sustainable and it's beautiful, um, but it wrinkles a little more than I like it to. Right. And that was something that like we didn't really put it through its super paces before. Now, I mean, it's still phenomenal. Right. But I'm like going forward. I'm like, no, we're going to we're going to do better on the next one. And we're going to yeah, find your, something your, that your actually new checklist gets the check for wrinkle test. You know what I mean? You learn yeah. every time. And that's the iterative process. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. And it's and then it's all these trade offs. Right. It's like, OK, well, how sustainable is this fabric versus, you know, is it also something that, um you know, women can just sort of wash and hang and wear and it's going to keep, it's going to stay in their 
wardrobe then for a really long time or they're not going to send it to dry cleaning so how does it and this is these are the questions that we oh, have around you think about all the all the, the usability you're like is it they have to is it is it is it yeah dry cleaned or is it do i have to take it to the cleaner to get cleaned and like what does that mean and it changes all the dynamics of like it's my busy day i'm like oh you made me go to the dry cleaner uh, that would be great if yeah <laughs> exactly and and then also well, what's the sustainability then in it going to the dry cleaner, right? So when we talk about like sustainability of what we're putting together and what we use, you know, it, 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 I actually struggle a lot with sort of the sustainability um, marketing component of things because it's all actually about nuance, right? Like it's actually, it's it, you know, this, it, we all know that the most sustainable thing I could do is shut my fucking company down and not make anything ever again. Like, let's be frank. Right. I know. You're like, right. There's this school like, of thought that, that, you know, the human should leave the earth alone, period, and just leave, just be done with it yeah, and go somewhere yeah. else. And now, that would be the best version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sort of on this side that I think actually the way we're going to save ourselves is actually through technology. And because I actually do not believe when it comes to whether it's oil and gas or plastics or any of these things that we are prepared to actually walk away from any of this shit that makes life more comfortable and more convenient. We are selfish creatures. That is the nature of the beast. And sorry, we're not going to do it so um until people know that they can use energy sources that will keep them as warm and comfortable and happy um as oil and gas or fossil fuels will uh you know this idea that we're going to magically just choose not to use it is you know it's a fallacy it's never going to happen so we have to kind of get our minds very idealistic and the the proof and the proof is that we're not doing that like we haven't yeah yeah Yeah. you're, you're absolutely right yeah, it, so ma- it makes really great headlines about- and it makes great rhetoric on social media, but it's actually not what's happening. <laughs> no, and it won't it won't happen. So for me, it's about actually innovative stuff. So it's like, OK, well, how do we actually make a fabric out of, you know, the like what are the fabrics that, that are made out of plastic bottles that's, that and we're, have been recycled that are still sort of that still feature these qualities? Right. And for me, it's, um, you know, what are some of these things that we could like? Uh, I'm obsessed with doing a purse out of this new um, mushroom vegan leather. Like, and it just looks like, it looks like the softest used leather you've ever seen. Right. And it's totally a sustainable process. And um, anyway, so, so technologically, like we're actually moving into this really interesting space um, where there's so much innovation happening on that side of things. And, and that's where, like for me, it's this constant evolution, right? It's, when we're looking at our business, we're like, okay, I really like that we're sending out these sustainable plastic or these these like biodegradable bags. Shit, do we have the biodegradable stickers that go with it? Okay, because if we don't, that's kind of stupid. Like because then you actually can't biodegrade the bag. So it's really just yeah. So it's really just virtue signaling, right? And then are like so how are we doing kind of all of these steps in the process? And yeah, if I make a product out of a fabric that you're not going to think is you know useful or, or stands the test of time, what is actually the sustainability on that, on that, on that product? Right. So these are all the questions we kind of have to ask ourselves as we, as we balance this out and we, and we go ahead. I mean, even things like I moved our warehouse from, you know, Calgary to Vancouver primarily because it was like, well, this is stupid. Why am I spending money to, and fossil fuels to ship shit here when it's being made in Vancouver? Like, let's just keep it there. Right. Getting as close and, to the source as you can, for sure. But yeah, you're still yeah. shipping things around. Like you're, you're, you know, you're saving. Totally. On, you're not, you're not building a brick and mortar footprint for your retail store, like on a mass scale. 
you're maybe going to have a showroom to create that omnichannel, but you still got to ship stuff, and stuff still yeah. goes on trains, planes, and automobiles, right? Or totally. Trains, planes, totally. and vans, I guess. Yeah, totally. So for me, again, it's it's coming back to that iterative iterative process of how do we how do we keep our eye on the prize? How do we continue to do better? And how do we stay, you know, in front of this? So we're actually and and that's an interesting challenge that I think all businesses are sort of facing, and you can't you can't stay still. No, there's no such thing as standing still because the world's moving fast. So it means if you're standing still, you're going backwards in my, in my definition. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, but I like, I think it's powerful what you said, like the amount of nuance in like, well, if this, then that, and what's the trade off? And, you know, I do appreciate being a startup and you're coming up into it versus being a business that's been around for a while, almost having to re-engineer and like back out of all the things you've been doing for X amount of time. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure of being a new startup, but there is certain freedom of like, well, we don't have these legacy systems that we now have to break, right? Or we don't have to throw out. Because to yeah. really change the, to really flip the, the the deal, you've got to have a whole new way of doing something. And for a lot of companies, that's it's easy to say it's hard to do, which I appreciate. Yeah, and and you know there are unintended consequences through <laughs> you know like and you kind of have to think your way, you know you have to think your way through all of those things. So it's interesting though when people like like I was saying like sort of from this marketing perspective of like you know it's like someone said to me. You know, someone on social called out and they're like, you know, uh, this product has polyester. It's not sustainable. And I was kind of like, yeah, you're right. You know what? It's like, yes, actually, you're right. Like this product does have that. Now, we do have sustainable fabrics. We're using bamboo. We're using this. We're using ethical laboring out of Vancouver. We're making a trade off in terms of, you know, that and, and incurring like a, you know, a higher cost of goods margin or lower, sorry, lower margin, obviously, when we're using um, different labor pools, but it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not, we're not perfect. Like, and, and nobody's perfect, but we're trying and we're looking forward to doing, to doing better. But, you know, and so it's funny because sometimes marketing folks, not Emily, um, well, <laughs> give her that, but sometimes they're like, you should like do, you know, say you're all of these things. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not like comfortable doing that because really we're, you know, we still have a little bit of this in it and we still have to ship it to you that way. And we still have to, you know, it's, it's a, and so try, and so then trying to communicate sort of the sales, the sales value proposition of nuance never really goes. <laughs> it's like, no, especially uh, if we live know. in a world that thrives in the, in the polarization. Like if you said black, yeah. I'll say white. If you say white, I'll say yeah. black. Bah, just because, yeah. Like, yeah. So as I mean, we, as we push to, as mind. we push, we push to the extremes. You're right, but the, you know the, the way forward is a balanced approach. How do we do better than we did last year? No, it's not. It's either perfect or you're out. It's like, well, unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. But let's show that we're making moves in the right direction. And as a yeah. fashion brand, you're close to people's heart. You're close. You're close to their skin. You know, you you from that. Yeah. You you know, I had a friend years ago who was a massage therapist, and he's like, you get this immense, you get this very emotional, and like you get connected to your customers because you're physically touching them. And he's like, that's so different than so many careers. And it just the way he said it, I was like. You're right, because you develop these relationships, so you're, you're, people are wearing your product on their body. Like it's, That's about as personal as it, as it gets. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when um, I actually saw one of my shirts in the wild like a little while ago, and, and <laughs> yep. you know, like I was like – and my, I was with my daughter at breakfast, and this one was sitting like a few tables over, and I, I was like, I think that's my shirt. And Sophie was like, yeah, I think so, but – you know, and I was like, she's like, oh, my God, mom. Oh, my God, mom. You're going to ask her, aren't you? Oh, my God, you're going to fucking do that, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> you know, and I was like. That, what an awesome opportunity. I love that you guys saw yeah, your yeah. shirt. And it just Sophie Grace, that's your daughter's name, correct? Yeah, Sophie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But she, 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 she was just like, 
oh my god, you're going to be that embarrassing person. I'm like, yes, I am. How old's your daughter? Right. She's 20. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. she's probably used to you embarrassing her. That's, oh, that's, yeah, probably, no, no. That, she's that's very, probably not she's, a new thing. She's No, no, it's not a new thing at all. She's totally, yeah, she's totally down with it. So, and, and actually <laughs> then I say, I'm embarrassing you. She's like, actually, mom, you're really not that embarrassed. I'm like, okay, all right, well, that's good. So she's like, <laughs> I try to be. I'm like, maybe. Um, but, but yeah, and, and, you know, then I talked to this lady and stuff and she was telling me how much, you know, she'd had it for a year and she loved it. She was one of our first customers and, and it was a, yeah, that was a really nice experience. Like, That's a it's, cool it's, I, and, and, you know, when you start something and you have like people, you know, buy your stuff, you're like, I mean, and dear people I know, I love you. Thank you for buying my stuff. But there is this other element of when someone comes to your brand through other measures and they buy it and they love it and they send you notes about it. Like that's is kind of what keeps you going. Right. Like you're like, Oh yeah. Like that's friends and family are meaningful, but there's different motivations when someone connects with the brand, understands what you're trying to do buy physically takes their hard earned dollars and buys into it. No friends and family. They kind of almost have to quote unquote. They don't, but you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) It's a whole different, it's a different, it's a different thing. thing, Right. And then when someone else, you're just like, it's, it's like, Oh man, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, that's the that's moment nice that it moment. becomes bigger than you. That's the moment where it's not someone because your friends and family they're supporting you primarily, and hopefully you didn't make them support you on something that really added no benefit to them. Yeah. So when exactly. someone comes on Sophie Grayson's never met you, they've now connected with your idea, your passion, this thing that you birthed into the world, or however dramatic you want to make it sound. Yeah. That is pretty cool, and I don't think if anyone's listening, if you've ever started a business, well, I think we've all had that moment where we're like, oh shit, wow. Well, it just got real. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is real, right? Like, and like, to celebrate it because hey, there's there's enough late nights and enough enough dramas. Celebrate the magic when it shows up. <laughs> yeah, it's so lovely. I, like those business people who like it is a, it is that moment of yeah, man, this is nice. And remembering and, to and, ce- is, and remembering and is, to celebrate before you head to the next fire. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it is it, it is about you know business really is about creativity. I mean, we think of it as is this, um, I think sometimes we don't think of it necessarily as a creative process, but even mm-hmm. anything from like opening your, the corner store to, you know, becoming a barber and opening your own shop of, of that, like so many businesses are really founded in this idea of like you, you pull together your vision and then you find ways to kind of, you know, make it happen and then be able to like earn a living out of it um, and hire other people and keep them employed. Like it is, it is all a very creative process, actually. We, I don't think we think of business necessarily that way, but it is. No, we think we get we had yeah, the whole left right brain or conceptual versus structural and analytical. Like even you know mm-hmm. working marketing and you know being anytime that you're solving a problem, there's creativity. Even putting a proposal together, and you have to be creative in how you deliver it or how it's going to connect with the, with the audience or how you write it. I, yes, I agree. I think it creativity has been this weird, dirty word in business, and I don't think anymore. I think it's changing because I think the problems we're solving are bigger, and I think there, there's we've got computers to do the linear stuff. You know, we've got AI to do the step by step left brain left brain things. I think creativity. Right. I read a book a few years ago, and it was like I think uh, Daniel Pink, whole new mind. And oh it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The creativity. It's an old it's an old book, but you read it, and everything. He predicted we're living in it now like that's the cool it was written in i think oh eight no nine or 2010 yeah and talking yeah. about like the the abstract connections you know human relationships that's the future because technology is going to do so much of the non-creative quote-unquote things and uh, yeah. you know to hear you talk about it, there's nothing more creative than starting a business like because no, man you're making something isn't. out of nothing yeah creative. you are right like you're making something out of nothing and that's um and and usually relying on a whole bunch of other people to help you do it 
too, right? Just the art of getting everyone to move in the same direction, that's creativity in itself. Yeah, totally. Yes, the, the, art, the art of herding cats, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think you and I could talk forever. I just think that's easy. I love your story while your passion is coming through in spades. I'm sitting looking at the site. Like, it's a real thing. Like, you know, I'm sure I hope, I hope you still have moments where you look at it and go, wow, yeah, that was an idea that I had while standing in my closet one day. It looks, it looks pretty real from someone peering in from the outside. Congratulations. It's awesome. Thanks. Congratulations. Thanks. I, I still have moments where I'm like, I really need to change where that button is. Like if I go on the website. <laughs> of course you do, because <laughs> you're a quirky, weird entrepreneur. That's how it goes. We have weird thoughts yeah. like that at two, at 2 in the morning. Yeah. Um, like, hmm. Any advice for anybody? You know, I was easy question to ask, but maybe sometimes a tricky one to answer. Any advice for anybody starting out, guy, girl, young, old, doesn't matter. Like, let's put us all into the bracket of entrepreneur. And you want, you want to create something that's you've got it in your mind. You want to bring it to life. Anything you would do different or just you'd put out there as a word of, as, as a word of um, you know, sage advice? I wish I'd done a lot of this sooner. Now, I'm not sure if I actually would have had the skill set to do it sooner, but I think there's this, you know, as I got older, I recognized that most people know shit when they start stuff. And and it, there is really no expert. And I think women in particular actually suffer from this problem, that, that okay. we somehow think that there's um, – that there's a, there's, a, there's some magical formula out there that, you know, if we just had these skills or we just had this or we just knew the secret information that maybe somebody else has, that we'd be able to do something. And I think what happens with most businesses, regardless of how skilled or knowledgeable you think you are, is you learn along the way. And that if you just do it, you will always be solving the problems. Like, I mean, this is, we talked about that idea before Tyler, right? About that. It's always about putting out a fire. And I think you just have to kind of wrap your mind around that from day one and be like, yeah, I'm going to try this new thing. And it's going to probably be a bit of a shit show um, sometimes, but I believe in it. I believe I can do it. And I believe I can pull the people in to solve the problems that I need to solve as I go along the way. And I think about who some of our great entrepreneurs are, right? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, like crazy people do crazy fucking cool shit, right? Like I yes. think about, average, you know, like people, think about, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. like I think about like Elon Musk, right? Like, did he know how to start, drive, like build a luxury electric car that would like totally change the entire auto vehicle, like automobile market? And it like, no, of course he didn't. He had an idea, right? And then he was yeah. like, okay, well, how am I going to go about doing this? And I think that's, that's the process of like, just start. Right. I think it's like, just start and you'll find your way through and either, you know, maybe it's not the right idea and it will die on the vine and you can move on to another idea. And just because this idea isn't the right idea or isn't one that works doesn't mean that there aren't 20 others that actually will. Right. And so I think it's just this idea of just, of just start, right? Like just develop a plan, get really clear on it of what it is that you want to make and then just start doing it. And you you may not know how, and that's that's okay. And, and often it's just giving your, yourself permission to not have all the answers. I think sometimes that can be a real like the perf the perfectionist procrastinator <laughs> doesn't work well yeah. in entrepreneur and doesn't work well in entrepreneurship. No, and I had to learn my way out of that, and it took. 20 years. I love that term. I had to learn my way out of that. That's awesome. <laughs> you had a <laughs> yeah. couple of good quote of the days. That's a good one. I'm gonna, I like that one. I'm going to learn my way out of that one. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, sure. well said. Well, congratulations on the business and thanks for sharing and thanks for just having a good old fashioned chat. I love, it's so easy as, you know, people looking from the outside and go, wow, that's awesome. And oh, wow. So, so cool what you created, but you got to peel back the layers and understand. Yeah, it wasn't glamorous. It's far from done and enjoy the, enjoy the journey and it's good. Enjoy the messy, enjoy the messy journey. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah, it is uh, like uh, there are days. Yeah, sorry. The, the, there are days where I'm literally like, you know, hauling boxes or laying floors in the thing and people I'm like, yeah, if somebody could see this. Like the, it is not this is there's glamorous moments where. But yeah, it is not. <laughs> Inter- it is not interspersed a, for, 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 for some really very, very real realities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Right. Anyway, and so, hey, thanks uh, a lot, Tyler. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. So sorry about my fail. Fa- sorry about my fail. My technical That's okay. Hey, we had a technology fail. The audience didn't even know. They weren't there. Yeah, as far know, as they know, we're experts at technology and yeah, we were able to yeah. get everything going right away. Yeah. Yes, we've been on Zoom for how long or been using computers for how long and still it doesn't work the way it's supposed to oh, the yeah. moment I need it to. I think everyone deals with yeah. that from time to time. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, we all have to be technology experts in our days to, 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 to function in this, in, the, in this world as well. And eBay yeah. experts and Shopify experts and yeah. merchant card experts. That's a whole other set of podcasts. Emma, yeah. thanks for your time. Congratulations on the business. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you. It's Calgary. I'll run into you at the coffee shop. It's how it works. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Tyler. My pleasure. <laughs>